Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. John 8 is where we are. We started this last week. So many of you were here. Many of you had to be out of town. We're talking about true freedom. Jesus was teaching there in the Word of God, it says in verse 30, chapter 8, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If is a conditional statement. If you abide, that is, if you connect and stay connected in my word, You are truly my disciples. The word disciple means follower, disciplined one. And you shall know the truth. That is, if you abide in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We read last time about how they called on their genetic inheritance, their religious tradition, being descendants of Abraham, proclaiming that because of that they were already free. And Jesus said to them, verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. He said, verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me because I came forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Hmm. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now go back to verse 30, please. What group was Jesus addressing when he said, You are of your father the devil who is a liar? Verse 30 said, Jesus spoke these words, and many came to believe in him. And verse 31 said, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. How many of you know there is a vast difference between believing the information and walking in the revelation? You can believe that what he's saying is the truth, but if you don't connect with the revelation of it, You're not abiding in His Word, and you won't experience the freedom that abiding in that Word will bring. These were some of the most profoundly religious people of the day, and Jesus said, your father is the devil who is a liar. Wow! The conditional statement there is, if you connect with and stay connected with my Word, my Word you, the truth, you'll know the truth then, and the truth will make you free. So we talked about last time <clears throat> how to become internally free. Would it be accurate to say in this passage 
that to the extent that I am not abiding in his word, to that extent I am capable of being deceived and being in bondage. To the extent that I'm not connecting with his word, to that extent I am capable of walking in bondage, even thinking that I am free. We talked about how last time every one of us, now we made some people who think they don't get anything wrong, we made them very nervous. Because we said last time, every single one of us have areas in our inner man where we're not completely free. Because we're not truly abiding in His Word and therefore not really knowing the truth about some things. And so until that truth becomes revealed, I mean we get revelation of it, to that extent we're not really internally free. And every one of us, me and you, have some areas where we're not totally internally free. Don't kid yourself into thinking that you don't need this. We talked about some of the roots of our bondage. You know, the fruits of our bondage are all kind of things. But there are not many roots. One of those we talked about last time is the root of pride, that is self-sufficiency, being independent and disobedient. I know what I want, I know what's best for me, and by the way, I know what's best for you. And I know none of you with children and grandchildren ever think that way, but isn't it amazing how we can think we know what's best for us and we know what's best for you too. That kind of mentality might prove to us that we might have some pride we need to deal with. How many of you know that we can't afford pride? The Word of God says that if you are proud, you will be humbled. Does everybody understand that you can either choose to humble yourself or God will work from the outside in to humble you? And it's always better to humble ourselves, isn't it? I've done it both ways. I've humbled myself and I have been humbled from the outside. Wow, what a difference. What a difference in pain level. Can y'all identify with me? Oh boy. Pride, self-sufficiency, a refusal to admit that I'm totally dependent on him and submit to his leadership. Did you know that every good thing in your life came from God and not from you? Jesus said, well, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you believe that all that success, do you, listen, I know what I can do, and it is not very pretty. Do you believe that every good thing in your life is a gift from God? Or do you believe you did it? To the extent that we want to take credit for something God has done, we might be walking in pride. We talked about another great root of of, uh, bondage is internal fear. 
I gave you very uh, clearly last week some of my own journey and my battles with fear and how in my 40s I was absolutely wrestled to the ground and God showed me that my problem was not what I thought it was. That it was fear. We fear loss. We fear that we may lose our health. We fear that we may lose our family. We fear that we may lose our business. We, may, we fear we may lose our ability to function. We fear that we won't have enough resources to take care of our needs. We fear death, or in my case, I don't fear death, I just have a problem with dying. I don't like to think about what may be the platform on which I exit into death. Death's going to be the easiest thing I'm ever going to do, and you too. Because you're going to be in the arms of sweet deliverance. It's going to be the easiest thing you ever do. But sometimes we fear the act of dying. A lot of times deep within our soul, the Lord reveals to us as he did me, you have a fear of failure. You deeply fear that if you fail, you will be rejected. Rejected by who? The only one who, judge, who, who you will answer to is deeply in love with you and has already chosen you. As I read in the tremendous blog that Jody Campbell back there wrote, perfection has already chosen you. Why don't you choose yourself? We fear rejection. We fear that we won't meet the expectations of other people. A lot of times I've done things just because I felt like I was afraid that if I didn't do it, somebody might be disappointed in me. Am I the only one in here? How many of you know that when we start living that way out of that fear that we're going to disappoint somebody and not live up to their expectations, how many of you know to that extent we're making them Lord of our life? And you know what our God said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not spouse or mom or dad or children or friends. There's only one, there's only one whose approval we should seek, and there's only one whose disapproval we should fear, and he's already said he has already approved you in Jesus Christ. So last week, we talked about learning. We've got we to gotta learn to deal with these things, the fear. You know, when we fear, when we have a root of fear, 
We try to handle it in different ways. Sometimes we try to control and manipulate our circumstances. We try to control and manipulate other people so they'll do what we want them to do. But how many of you know that that comes out of fear? Insecurity arises out of fear. People who try to control and manipulate every other people are insecure. Not operating in who they are in Christ. Sometimes if we have a root of fear, we retreat. That is, we try to do what we can do to separate ourselves from having to deal with our fears. You might do that through chemical dependence. You might do that through self-medication. You might do that through some saturation with anything that, that distracts you and occupies you from dealing with your fear. But any way you do it, if you don't deal with the root of fear, it will do nothing but take new territory in your inner man. It'll get stronger and stronger. In fact, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that fear is more than just a thought or an attitude or a feeling. Did you know that the Word of God says fear is a spirit? It has energy. It has power. It has personality. It will take over your life. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. God calls it a spirit. And I want to tell you something. All you got to do for that spirit to take more ground is nothing. Neglect to deal with your stuff. If you don't take a bold stand and start dealing with your fear, fear will take more and more ground in your inner man and ruin your life. Talking about abiding in His Word and becoming free. It's also true. It's also true that one of the ways we handle fear is sometimes we isolate. We try to get away from anything or anyone who might give us any source of accountability. Can I tell you something? Everything that runs from accountability is doomed to fail. Don't try to isolate and run from accountability. Sometimes we handle fear by trying to hoard. That is, we try to hold on to what, if you're hoarding something, it probably means you've got some sense of your security in what you're hoarding. And the lie behind that is that if you just hoard enough, you will eventually have accumulated everything you need to make you secure. The truth is, if you stop sowing, you're going to stop reaping. It's a law of the harvest. Sooner or later, sometimes that deep root in us is shame. We constantly lived with instant replays of things we regret. 
choices we wish we'd never made. Instant replays of all those things that still cause us pain, and in our shame, we want to run from those memories. Sometimes we want to isolate or medicate. Sometimes in our retreat from our shame, instead of dealing with it before the only one who can release us from it, sometimes in our shame, when we run from it, all we do is repeat the cycle. So if I feel shameful about something that I have done or am doing, but I don't come and bring it into the light and have its power broken off me by really embracing how my Jesus feels about me, if I don't deal with it in my inner man, I am going to continue that cycle. I am going to repeat that which already has me by the throat. We have to deal and bring into the light shame or it will continue to have a hold on us. We've got to cry out to God to give us revelation of His grace. One reason why we have shame is because we've never really seen the way our Father sees us in Jesus Christ. We hear it intellectually, but we've never received it in revelation. We got the information, but we don't have the revelation. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to take it from our head to our heart for us to get revelation of it. Now turn with me to the back of your Bible to Hebrews chapter 3. I want to show you something here. There is one root to all of this. There's one root to my pride, my fear, my shame. And there are other roots that we can talk about. Somebody is squealing with joy. They love this already. Wish we could all get that kind of joy. All right. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, is the Holy Spirit still speaking? As the Holy Spirit says today, when is that? Right now. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your spiritual fathers tested me and tried me. They saw my works 40 straight years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, and I said, They always go astray in their heart, and they've not known my way. So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. Now listen, remember that he's declaring when God's covenant people, under the direction of Moses, were led out of Egyptian slavery. They'd been in Egypt for hundred years. God led them out of Egypt mightily with mighty miracles, opening seas, protecting them against all odds, burying their enemies in the ocean. Against all odds, 
God delivered them, saved them, loved them, provided for them every single day. They didn't go to bed hungry one single night in 40 years. He protected them. He blessed them. They came out with all the riches of Egypt loaded on them. They were broke and broken, but God blessed them mightily. And in those 40 years, after seeing all of this, they were led to the permanent land of promise and blessing, the land God called Canaan. And there was going to be mighty, perpetual blessing, inheritance. But in that land, there were some giants. You know, kind of like you got. You know, those giants of fear and pride and anger and shame. Kind of like you got. Kind of like I have. Those giants that you're never going to enjoy the blessing of the Lord until you deal with those giants. I didn't want y'all to feel neglected. Until you deal with those giants, you're never going to get the victory that the Lord has already prepared for you, designed for you, going to empower you to receive. But if you run from the giants and decide you're not going there, you can't possess the land God has for you. And so these people in their fear and their unbelief, they said, we can't go there or have that. And so that generation who denied and would not face their stuff died in the wilderness. Can I tell you something? If you won't face your stuff, you're going to die in your inner man. If you will face your stuff, God loves you. He will help you. He will break its power off of you. He will give you grace and love and patience. But if you run and won't face your stuff, you're going to remain in internal bondage the rest of your days. You've got to face it. Now let's look at the next verse. Verse 12. Beware, brethren. That is, those of you on the New Testament side. Everybody say, that's me. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. What did God call unbelief? What's the word he used? Evil. Do you see that? Beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Everybody say this with me. According to the word of God, everything in my life that is wrought by unbelief is evil. See, we think it's prostitution and drug addiction and, and murder and all of that, and that is evil. But how many of you know that the root of evil is in me and you too, and it has to do with any areas in our inner man where there's unbelief? God calls unbelief evil. And we're never going to go to the next level in intimacy with the Lord until we deal with our own unbelief. Notice what he says to do about it. Verse 13, exhort one another 
Every day. What do you think I'm doing today? Are you getting some exhortation? Exhort one another. Daily. Encourage. Call one another out. That's what the word exhortation means to encourage, and it also means to call out. You ever been called out? You know what a call out is? It's a call up. Somebody that calls you out is calling you up because they love you. Those that ignore you probably don't care that much about you. Amen. Exhort one another daily. How often is that? While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What does that mean? I can start believing the wrong thing and not even know it and get hardened. Now go back to verse 12. There, beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Do you know what the word depart means? It means to drift. What do you got to do to drift? Turn your motor off. It's all you got to do. You want to drift? Stop engaging in prayer. Stop engaging in worship. Stop coming to gather with the saints. You want to drift? Just do nothing. And that's what will happen. You say, Pastor, I can go somewhere and hear an encouraging word all the time. And I don't have to put up with this. Well, you might want to do that. But I want to tell you something. We have got to deal with our stuff. Got to deal with our stuff. Why should we deal with our stuff? Why should we exhort one another daily? Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. How many of you know that it is vital to God and vital to us that we abide in his word and not just have a salvation experience and drift the rest of our days? Verse 19, so we see that they, those Old Testament covenant people, they could not enter into the land of promise and blessing because of what? Unbelief. Can I ask you something? What's keeping you from going forward? As you're standing there on the verge and you just see health issues, you just see financial issues, you just say, see relational issues, you just see all these things that are going on in your life and in the world, you see all these giants in the land, what is keeping you from taking the next right step of faith and obedience? What is it? God never said, you've got to go out there and take on the giants. He didn't say that. He said, you've got to believe me, and I told you I've already taken them out. I've already overcome them. But you're going to have to take those steps of faith and obedience, and when you take the steps of faith and obedience, I will do my part. So what is it that's holding you hostage right now? 
What's keeping you from doing something about what has kept you in bondage a long time? What keeps you from dealing with the giants? It was unbelief. It was fear. And God calls that unbelief evil. We've already seen that the root of all of our brokenness is unbelief. Well, how does faith come? Hearing in your inner man the Word of God. Not just with your outer ears, but hearing, listening to, responding to the Word of God. Well, what would that have to do with the roots that we've been talking about? Well, let's look at the root of pride. Jesus said, John 15, 5, without me you can do nothing. Do you ever just say that back to him? You ever just tell the Lord you believe that? That if he's not in it, it's doomed to fail? Do you ever just tell the Lord that he is responsible for every good thing in your life? Do you ever just tell the Lord that I know that I cannot do this apart from you? You ever tell him that? Luke 14, 11, Jesus said, if I exalt myself, I'm going to be humbled. But if I humble myself, I will be what? Do you know the greatest promotion you can receive is when the Lord God pulls you up and promotes you? With greater revelation, greater resources, greater healing, great, greater restoration. But it starts with you humbling yourself. He is perfectly able. One of the hardest things you're ever going to do is humble yourself when you think you're right. Do you know that at some point you're going to have to get revelation that it's more important for you to humble yourself than to be right? When you meet Jesus, he's not going to ask you, were you right? He was always right, but he humbled himself and took on the form of a bondservant. Humbled himself and served those who were wrong. Let me just say this to husbands and wives. You won't do a bit of good if you win an argument and lose a relationship. Who cares whether you were right or wrong? Who cares? God doesn't. You better humble yourself if you really want God to exalt you If you want God to put your marriage back together, you better humble yourself before the Lord and recognize that the greatest thing you can do is to walk with Him in humility because sooner or later, if you will humble yourself and quit trying to act like the Holy Spirit, Dina told me that one time. in the heat of one of our precious discussions. <laughs> she said, in her kind and gentle way, 
Her eyes were flashing, of course, with the fullness of the Spirit. And she said, let me tell you something. I knew then it was the voice of God. You are not my Holy Spirit. (laughs) It didn't feel real good right then. (laughs) It took me a little while to get through that one. But when I got away from the situation and I asked the Lord about it, He said those four words that I hate hearing every time. And those four words the Spirit said to me was, she's right, you know. We've got to deal with our pride. We've got to admit our dependency. We've got to admit that, you know, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that you've been bought with a price? You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. You're under ownership. And submit to that leadership. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own ability to understand. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your steps. Humble yourself. We talked about this a lot last week, fear. You don't overcome fear with faith. You overcome fear with love. 1 John 4.18 says this, Perfect love casts out fear. Doesn't say perfect faith does. Perfect love casts out fear. Do you know what the root of my fear is? Same as yours. A failure to, com- to, truly, to truly connect with the love of God. If we really connected with the love of God, do you think He's going to let you lose everything? Do you think if you really connected with the love of God that He will come against you? Do you think if you really connected with the love of God, He'd stop listening to you? It's like the Lord told me, you don't have a, fear, a money problem, you got a fear problem. I was 25 years ago, when I began to deal with my fear, the Lord set me free. John 17, verses 23 and 26, Jesus prayed to his Father that you and I would fully come to understand that the same love that the Father has for the Son, he has for you. You know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? No, wait a minute now. Did you know that God loves you as much as He loves Jesus? Look at, look at John 17, 23 and 26, if you don't believe my word. Look at Jesus' word. That's what He prayed, that God would help you know He loves you as much as He loves the Son. My, my, my. God, give us revelation. So see, when I go with my pride before the Word, when I go with my my fear before the Word of God about the love of God, when I take my shame and my guilt and my inferiority, Hebrews 10, 16, and 17, are you listening? God says, your sin and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. God has wiped your sin out of His memory. 
You say, well, what, I, what, what about what I did back there in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s? God said, if you come to me and received what my blood has done for you, I don't even remember it anymore. Are you walking in revelation of that or are you still holding yourself hostage? God, give us revelation. Your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. What about 2 Corinthians 5, 17? If any man or woman is in Christ, he is a new creation. Verse 21 says that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 1, 3 and following says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And what has he done? He's called us holy and righteous and blameless before him in love. He has forgiven us and accepted as Jesus has accepted. My, my, my. So see, if I start abiding in the word, I get to know the truth, and the truth begins to do what? Sets me free. Sets me free. But you've got to make an investment. You've got to go there on purpose. And you should know this, Romans 8.31 is very clear, and that is God is for you. He is for you. And if he's for you, who can be against you? Who could possibly prevail and destroy you if God is for you? Abiding in the word connects me to the truth. And the truth that I know makes me free. Sometimes the entrance of the truth is pretty painful, isn't it? Isn't it? You don't get a whole lot of things with great value without some struggle. Don't listen to those who say, if you would just do what I do, believe what I believe, all your struggles would go away. It's out of the context of struggle that we become strong. When we learn to abide in the Word, we begin to get free in our inner man. Well, let's all stand. I want you to do business with God. Look, this is, this is not a feel good. This is something we've got to make an investment in. Would you pray this prayer with me? Mighty Father, in the name of Jesus, give me greater revelation to really connect in my inner man with how you love me. Help me to see myself in that place of grace where you see me. Enable me by your word to get more and more levels of freedom in my inner man, in the name of Jesus, I'm on a journey. I will not be denied until I'm free by the power of your word. Father, let the word of God become alive in us. May we invest in it. When we don't feel a thing, may we decide and believe and obey based on the expression of your holy unchangeable word and may that word 
get from the outside on the page onto the inside of our spirit man. That we may walk in greater levels of freedom. That others would be attracted to the freedom that's on the inside of us. That we may have the opportunity to tell them what the source of that freedom is. Pray for all of these, your children. Holy and mighty God, take us to that place. Give us the desire and the willingness to exhort one another over and over so that we don't fall into the deceitfulness of sin. Lord, we recognize we're capable of believing lies. We know that our unbelief is the heart of all of our sin. Help us to continue to deal with that root. Knowing, Father, that your word will speak to us and set us free. We love you today. And I bless these that you've given me the opportunity to assist you with. Bless them, O God. Speak to them. Minister to them. Use them as great champions. As Joe said this morning, mightily equip us with our mission to rise up in the name of Jesus. And all the people said, we'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.